Today's date is Wednesday, April 8, 2020. In Michigan, our shelter-in-place was supposed to end on April 14th. And this week, the Michigan government decided to extend our shelter-in-place until May 7. If you can't tell by the tone of my voice, I am not thrilled about this. It's already been a month since I've had a haircut. <laughs> so last night, I decided I'd had enough of it and I wasn't going to wait another month for a haircut. So I just cut it myself. <laughs> I thought my mom knew how to fade and she didn't. So I tried to salvage it as best I can. And I could and it is what it is. <laughs> How's your quarantine going? <laughs> Holy cow, man. We're going to get through this all. And you know what? I've been thinking about this time that we have because, especially in light of the fact that it's just been extended, at least for my state. And I know some other states are still going to be probably extending their quarantines. And, you know, this is just going to go on for a while. But the good news is one day we're going to be able to go back to work. We're going to be able to go back out of our houses and hang out at restaurants just like we did and go to theme parks and go to the movies and go to concerts. And life is pretty much going to be back to normal. I don't know if it's ever going to be quite the same again, just like how 9-11 changed so many things for us. But, you know, there are a lot of good things that are going to come out of this. For one, we're going to be more connected to one another. We're going to hopefully continue to prioritize our relationships more than we did before we had this time. Because we used to be too busy to prioritize the most important things in our lives the way that we are now when we're forced to slow down. I feel like God is just taking this time to teach us that we really need to slow down down it's so easy to get wrapped up in the routine of life and to go 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 and say oh yeah that thing's really important i'll get to it i just can't do it right now i'll get to it i'll get to it and how many times do we do that with god though we say you know what yeah i know i gotta pray i gotta read my bible it's just things i gotta do i'm gonna get to it i'm gonna get to it. i'll do it i'll do it later i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it and what happens? The day goes on. Time is no respecter of persons. And we get to the end of the day and lo and behold, it's time to go to bed because you stayed up too late watching TV and now you've got to go to sleep because you got to get up early tomorrow for that thing you have to do at work or school or whatever it is. And you tell God, oh, sorry, I'll do it tomorrow. Man, what if you did that to a real human being? How long do you think you would be friends with that person for? I think they would drop you like a hot potato. <laughs> Seriously. We often, because I think probably because we can't see God, we treat him so often like he's not somebody who has any sense. Imagine if you had a friend who you constantly put off communicating with. Let's say they needed your help with something. And this is somebody who's really good to you, okay? And you just keep telling them, oh, yeah, 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 I know. 
Man, I'm so sorry. I know I said I was going to get to that today and help you with that, but you know, something just came up and I really have to take care of it. I'm so sorry. Can we get together tomorrow instead? Or I can't meet until next Tuesday. Oh man, I feel awful. Is that okay? And if they're really nice, they'll probably, which they are, they'll probably say, okay. They won't be happy about it, but they'll be like, all right, fine. The first two times. You pull that a third time, and they're going to get wise to you. And they're going to start. They're not going to take you seriously when you say anything, right? I mean, you wouldn't take somebody seriously if they were doing that to you. You wouldn't be able to trust what they said. You wouldn't be able to believe that they would come through when they said they would. That they would fulfill whatever they said they had committed to doing. And yet, that's how we treat God. We tell him that he, we, we say we're Christians. We say, oh, bless up, right? That's a popular thing to say. Or maybe it's not anymore. I don't know. Maybe that was like a 2018, 2019 thing that the youth would say. <laughs> we say, oh, yeah, God's number one. Or I, oh, I don't know where I would be without God. Or we say, you know, a lot of celebrities have been doing this, at least that I've noticed anyway. They'd say, like when they get a Grammy or something, or when they get an Oscar, they'll point up to the sky and say, at first I want to thank God because without him, I wouldn't have been able to do this or whatever they say. And then you're like, wait, what? You are thanking God for him helping you accomplish this goal of producing some sort of media that is very foul and doesn't speak of him at all in any uplifting way and doesn't honor him in any way like what you do you really think that he helped you with that and before you call me some judgmental christian just be honest with yourself and realize that there is no way that you can be a rational human being and not make judgments about things that you witness you judge everything that you see if it's a person doing something different from what they said they would do, you judge them to be insincere or inconsistent in their words and practices or simply to be a liar or simply to be someone who is unreliable. So don't call me judgmental because if you're being honest with yourself, you know that you cannot get through life without ascribing judgment to everything. Judgment doesn't mean... See, this is the difference. People get bent out of shape about this judgment thing because they think, oh, when a Christian makes any kind of value call on something, then they're just writing the person off. No, man, don't be intellectually dishonest. This is a caveat. This is a, a side trail here, but I just thought of it and I figured I would comment on it real quick. You can make an assessment of somebody's actions without condemning them to never to without condemning them to be beyond the reach of God or without looking down on them right you can just simply say that somebody's actions are inconsistent and that's it anyway I've digressed let me get back to what I was saying we have all this time right now because we're not working as much or at least our schedules are different we're forced to stay home so we have a lot of time on our hands Today, I want to challenge you to think about what you're doing with this time. Yesterday, my 
I finally decided to watch this show that my one of my best friends told me to watch. And I had checked it out three years ago, and I was I got probably 15 minutes into the first episode. I just thought it was super whack. I, I couldn't get into it. So he was like, no, no, you got to watch it. It's really good. So I was like, all right, I don't think so, but I'll try. I got halfway through the fourth episode, and I was like, what am I still doing here? This has been hours of my day. And I tried to justify it because it was a show from Spain, and even though I speak Spanish, every region of every language spoken has idiomatic phrases unique to that place and has all sorts of slang that's different, and the accent is different. So I was legitimately learning tons of new Spanish because I was seeing all, uh, hearing all these new words that I had to look up. And so, yeah, sure, it was educational, but at some point I thought to myself, I, I thought to myself about halfway through that, that fourth episode, I'm out of here, man. I got to get up. I got to go do something more productive. I went outside and ran. And you know what? I set my best times for running miles in these trails by my house than I have ever done. It was very fulfilling. It was very rewarding. It was also extremely uncomfortable. It was one of the most uncomfortable runs I have had. But that's what it took to get my PR, my personal record, for best time on, the, on those trails. They're constantly going up and down. They're constantly going left and right. There's almost no spot that's flat and straight. So going fast is difficult because it's not really very conducive to going fast. It's not like you're on a track that's flat, right? Anyway, the day before I had gone, I hadn't warmed up properly. I hadn't eaten properly, and I was noticeably dehydrated. And my average time was 8.15, 8 minutes, 15 seconds which is not a very fast mile, but for those trails, it's pretty decent. That was me putting out some effort. But then yesterday when I went, I took over a minute off my time. I only did two miles instead of four miles, but my first mile, which I didn't think was going that well, was seven minutes, 11 seconds. That's a minute and four seconds faster than my average pace from the day before. And then I said to myself, man, this next mile, I want to at least get the same speed, the same pace, if not ideally a sub seven minute mile. A sub seven didn't happen, but I shaved two seconds off my time for 7.09, and that was the hardest mile of that trail. There's a massive hill right at the beginning that is really hard to make any kind of efficient progress up. But man, I shaved two seconds off my time. Two best times. I'm so proud of myself. And then I thought to myself, you know what? What else am I doing with my time? And then the thought after that was, this quarantine is going to end at some point, and I'm going to come out of this. And what am I going to be able to say? What, what am I going to have to show for myself? What am I going to have to be proud of as far as my accomplishments, the way that I use my time? There's nothing wrong with chilling out and watching TV sometimes. Don't misunderstand me. Don't twist my words. But what are we really trying to accomplish right now? I think God is using this time to teach us how to rest and focus on him and reprioritize our lives. Because for so long, technology 
has been increasing and we've been so connected to everything and everyone that we're actually disconnected from everything and everyone and we're not really present. Think about this. How hard is it for so many of us to just sit in line at Chipotle and wait for our food without feeling like we've got to check our phones? I'm the first one to raise my hand that I do that all the time. I did it today. I went to Chipotle actually today. I had to wait outside because you're not allowed to go indoors, but man, the food was awesome. Can't wait till that's normal again to just go out to eat. But man, I mean, we're, we're so connected that we're disconnected and we're so connected to so many things and so many people that we often don't feel like we have much left to connect to God with. So many of us have a very lackluster spiritual experience. Our faith is anemic. And frankly, our Christianity is really lame. I'm just going to call it out. I'm speaking for myself. I'm not condemning anybody here. I'm the first one to admit to you that this is often my case. I realized today that the reason that my spiritual life is often very mediocre, at least let's say my faith in particular, like what I believe God is capable of doing, I realize that so often my my faith is mediocre or it's lame or it's weak or whatever you want to say because I put God in a box and I ascribe limitations to his abilities that are baseless. Now remember this, this is a key thought for you. To consider we are limited in our understanding however the fact that we are not able to comprehend something does not mean that it is therefore impossible what am I getting at I'm saying that just because you don't understand how God could do something allow something to happen or just because you don't understand what God's intentions are doesn't mean that he's not righteous. Doesn't mean that he's not good. Doesn't mean that he's not omnipotent. Doesn't mean that he is not fundamentally in love with you. We have a problem with God because we don't think that he is who he says he is. He has all these claims in the Bible about being the creator, about being our protector, about being the greatest being in the universe, all these claims about his identity. And yet we look at that and consider it archaic language and it doesn't resonate with us and it has no power in our lives because we decide that those words are just words. And why is that? I think it's because we are not actively experiencing the power of God in our lives. So the next question by extension, by default, is why aren't we experiencing the power of God in our lives? And I would argue that, at least from my own experience, when I have not been experiencing the power of God in my life, it's because... I am limiting him. When somebody's sick, 
when somebody's dying, when something big is happening in our lives, we don't really believe that God is capable of correcting that. Because so many times he doesn't do it. And so then in our fragile understanding of omnipotence, we decide that that means that God doesn't want to do it or even that he can't do it. And so we then decide whether we realize it consciously or not, that God is uninterested in our affairs. And we decide that God has other things he would rather do. Maybe that means to us that he's busy paying attention to all the really holy people out there. You know, those pastors and those holy grandmas who are just praying all the time. And if you look at their Bibles, they're super underlined. I've got my one of my grandma's Bibles right next to me here in Spanish. And the thing is marked up like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, man, she was a saint. I remember her praying all the time. She would close her eyes. She would kneel next to her bed. She would put her hands together, not even folded. She would stick them together, you know, palm to palm, finger to finger. And she would pray. She would, she would mouth the words. I remember sometimes I would just watch her. And I would think to myself, man, she's really connected to God. And I would compare that to my own experience and wonder why she seemed so spiritual and why my own experience with God seemed to only maybe scratch the surface of everything. But, you know, I've also had times in my life where I've gone really deep with God and where I've experienced his power profoundly. I've seen miracles happen. I've seen hearts transformed, including my own. And then I've had times that are interspersed between those phases of my life, you can say, where I've been apathetic, or I've been disconnected, or I've been otherwise engaged with other things that seem to take my life, my, my life's priorities. So why is our Christian experience so lame? I think it's because we don't challenge God what do I mean by that? We don't challenge God. Well, really, <laughs> there's no challenge that's a challenge for God, probably. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was hard for God to let Jesus, God the Father to let Jesus die on the cross. I mean, I, I think it probably was. I don't think it was easy for him anyway, which is interesting, considering that he's omnipotent. But even for God, some things can be hard. I think it's hard for God when we reject him. I think that's a challenge. I think it tests him. Maybe I'm wrong in, in the way that I'm describing this. But certainly it pains God's heart when we make choices that hurt us because he feels our pain way more than we're able to experience our own pain. Because he created us and he exists outside the dimensions of time and space. And everything that we experience because of the fact that we live in a sinful world is only a shadow or a copy, a poorly drawn representation. Think of like a kindergartner's drawing compared to Michelangelo's masterpieces. Whatever we experience, whatever we know is only a poor representation of the true 
thing that God created before sin. And so therefore, God understands experientially, especially because of the fact that Jesus went through life as a human being, everything that we go through much more deeply than we can. So what I'm getting at is when we challenge God, we're really challenging our own understanding, our own perception of his abilities, of his identity, of his character. And here's where I'm going to tie it down into a practical piece for you. When you pray, I already have an episode talking about praying dangerously. You know, I was convicted about this this morning that my prayers have just been They've been good because they've been connecting with me with God in the morning, all throughout the day and at night. Right now, I'm on a roll, actually. I, I know I haven't put out a podcast episode for a little while. But I've been making good habits about my devotional life, and I'm feeling really solid right now. It's really good. I have peace. But you know what? I was convicted this morning that I'm not challenging myself enough because I'm not challenging God enough in what I'm asking of him. I'm not making him feel like a king. What do I mean by that? Someone who's in a position of power and influence and authority and who possesses great resources with a benevolent heart with which to bestow those upon whomever he can or she can, that person finds it easy to give things to people when they need them, right? Let's say I'm a multi-billionaire, right? And I'm also a benevolent individual. And my utmost goal in life is to share my resources for the betterment of mankind. Well, okay. If a charity comes to me and asks for $40 million to help fight human trafficking, I'm all in, right? That's a go for me. That money is going to be chump change for me, and I'm going to give it with a merry heart. Or let's say that my grandma needs, uh, let's say she has a mortgage on her house, right? Shoot, man, I'm going to pay that off in a heartbeat. No sweat. And then I'm going to deposit money in her bank account so she doesn't have to wonder if she's always going to be okay. Like, man, that's easy stuff right it doesn't take much for me in that hypothetical position of ability to meet these challenges that for others are difficult now if someone comes to me with a challenge that is uniquely suited to me something that only i can defeat something so singular that it literally depends upon me to accomplish this goal, then now you're talking. Now that is something that is really going to make me feel alive. That's really going to make me feel glad to be in the position that I am. Not that those other things were not enjoyable for me, but this is a totally different ball game now. This is a totally different level of experience this is something that now forces me to be if i was all in before now i am really all in i am absolutely dedicated to rising to the challenge 
And so this is what I have for you. I'm going to close with this idea that you can consider how you're limiting God in the way that you live your Christian life, in the way that you exercise your faith. When somebody gets sick and you say that you'll pray for them, do you actually pray for them, number one? Don't just, this is a thing that I'm very careful about. I don't just tell people that I'm praying for them because most of the time I'm probably not going to remember to pray for them. So I'd rather not say that I'm going to pray for them if I know that I'm probably not going to remember to do so. If I tell somebody that I am going to pray for them, more than likely, I'm really going to pay attention to it because of that. But when you pray, let's say for that sick person, are you truly believing when you pray for God to heal them that he can do it? Or in your mind, have you already accepted defeat and accepted the lie from the enemy that that's just something that happened in old times with really holy people and God's not going to answer your prayer? Man, you got to think about that, right? That's real stuff. Or when somebody experiences a deep loss and you say, that you'll pray for them. Man, when you pray for that person, are you praying in a way that calls on God to fulfill his promise to comfort the brokenhearted and bind up their wounds? Or is it one of those prayers that's like, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for this food. Please bless the hands that prepared it. Please help us to give us strength and energy for today. Oh, and also be with Beth because she lost her mother. And please encourage her, help her to feel better. And, oh, and um, help so-and-so do well in their soccer game tonight. Amen. I mean... I don't know about you, but that kind of prayer doesn't seem like it really moves anybody. It definitely doesn't challenge <laughs> heaven and earth to do something, right? Man, we got to consider what we really believe God is going to do, what we really believe he's capable of, and to pray dangerously, and to live with the expectation that God will come through with all of the, on all of the great promises that he has in the Bible. Because check this out, this quarantine is going to end, we're going to go back to daily life, and we're going to resume normalcy once again. Things might not be exactly like they used to be, but they're going to get pretty close, because we're going to get back into our routine of going to work, going to school, whatever we're doing, and getting back to that daily routine that we miss right now. But check it out. What are you doing with your time? Are you exercising your faith? Are you exercising your prayer life? Are you exercising what you believe and putting it into practice in a way that shows that you've had a true encounter with God? Jeremiah 12.5 poses a very compelling question. God says here, If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace in which you trusted, they wearied you, 
then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Shoot, man. If you're already like this, lame and weak, in a time of measurable <laughs> ease, not that, the, let me say it this way. I don't mean to communicate that there's not uncertainty because of financial things and stuff going on. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about the fact that you have more time to relax right now, even if there are a lot of stress, stressful things on your mind. But if in this time, everything's just still the same for you and you're not getting stronger, both physically and, and mentally and especially spiritually, man, things are gonna, there are gonna be other challenges that are more difficult than what we are experiencing right now further on in life are we getting ready for those i think god is being merciful and allowing us to have this time to strengthen ourselves so we can be ready for that are we taking advantage of that are we truly using our time wisely to be prepared for the further for the challenges of the future for the tests that are going to come our way this time is a time of testing to see what we'll do with this gift of time that we have. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite psalms because it shows how there are different phases of life. Phases of rest, phases of difficulty, phases of absolute just hell. And yet God sustains us through them all. This is a strange conglomeration of both a difficult time and a restful time. And yet God is with us through it all. But when those challenges come, are we going to be ready for it? God only gives us what is best for us. I read as I finished 1 John this morning that God gives us a promise here. I'm going to share it with you and then I'm going to close. Verses 14 and 15 of John chapter 5. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. This is the confidence that we have in him. Do you have confidence in God to give you what you ask for in prayer? Are you asking things that he's going to delight to give you? Or are you just asking for lame things? Are you being closed-minded and short-sighted in your prayers? I encourage you to take this time to heart and to use it to strengthen yourself. So you can look back on it and say, you know what, I'm proud of the way that I use my time. You know what, maybe all of us, or at least some of us, maybe probably most of us, have squandered a lot of this time just not really taking it seriously as a means of strengthening, right? As a means of rejuvenation. Well, we can be like the disciples who, even though they didn't understand who Jesus was at first and they didn't maximize the time that they had with him on earth, they realized who he was when he resurrected. And for the rest of their lives, they endeavored to use all the time that they had left to glorify God to do everything possible to know him and to help others encounter the peace 
that passes all understanding from a true transformative experience with God. Let that be our story. Let us use the time that we have left on this earth, and specifically during this slower period of time while we're dealing with this COVID-19 outbreak, to transform ourselves. We can't do it on our own. All we have to do is invite the Spirit to come into our lives and act on the opportunities He gives us to commune with Him and to know Him. May that be your story so that when the next trials come, you'll be stronger because of this. Share with me what ways you find the Holy Spirit reveals to you that you've been limiting His power and His activity in your life. And also, what the results are when you find that you can unleash the entire power of the kingdom of heaven in your life by just allowing God to redefine the borders of his influence and his capability in your life. I'd love to hear all about it. You can email me at edificationstationpodcast at gmail.com. Edificationstationpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have any questions about any of the messages that I've shared, Or if you have suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to send those along as well.